0: Movies are personal. They mean different things to different people. That's why we want your reasons, your facts, your emotions. doesn't matter if your movie won all the awards or none of the awards. We want your points. Welcome to Prove Your Movie. Welcome back to your bi-weekly film argument series, Prove Your Movie. This
1: episode, we are joined by Quinn Merriweather. Hello.
0: Welcome back. Thank you. Yes, you are a one of the, our very first guests on our other podcast, where you joined us for uh, The Shape of Water.
2: Yes, your most highly rated podcast.
0: Yes, one of our, <laughs> our, our highest listens, yes. Very so nice. this is
1: going to be our highly rated episode of this podcast.
0: <laughs> yes, so your name seems to carry... Um, a, a good amount of clout with it. So hopefully All right. you know this will carry over to prove your movie. So this week, Quinn, what is the film that you will be arguing?
2: Yes, um my film will be Call Me by Your Name by Luca Gucciano.
0: Alrighty. Well if you can give us your kind of opening statement.
2: Absolutely. Call Me by Your Name was a 2018 Best Picture nominee. Um, And it tells the story of Oliver and Elio. Oliver is studying abroad um, to do his dissertation in a small town in the summer of the 1980s in Italy with Elio's family. And throughout the course of the summer, six weeks to be exact, him and Elio traverse um, a very romantic yet brief, complicated, memorable, um, yet disarming love affair and which has repercussions for them both when, um, when thinking about what comes next for them. Mm. Um, and it's a beautiful film. They're going to make another one. And it's a beautiful novel, um, getting its sequel novel coming out next month by the author Andre Ackman mm. called Sweet. Found Me. And so, yeah, there's just... So many words, so little time when talking about this film in particular.
0: Okay, alrighty. Now, our, our last guest, Brandon Ferguson, um, he argued and was able to win the, um, a place on our list um, with No Country for Old Men, mm. which is also based off the novel. Yes. So, would you say that this film, Calling by Your Name, was very accurate to the novel?
2: say yes and no. James mm-hmm. Ivory was a screenwriter. Um he has been nominated for an Oscar previously for his adaptation for the film Maurice, which is another queer film with mm. Hugh Grant during the earlier part of his career in filmography.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And James Ivory is is a very meticulous and detail-oriented individual. Mm -hmm. Um, The ability to have conversations with Andre Ackman to really understand what the characters of Elio and Oliver were, not simply on the paper, but how they could really jump to life with the characterization of Armie Hammer and Timothy Chalamet respectfully Mm -hmm. bringing these characters to life. Mm -hmm. And so I think the, the short answer would be yes. I think it's a beautiful adaptation. Yes, there were things that are not necessarily verbatim to the novel, but I think throughout the creative process, those components that were left out were left out for a purpose Mm -hmm. to thread the storyline in a beautiful, romantic way um, that just leaves you completely disarmed.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. Anthony?
1: So you said that this is a movie you really enjoy. Why do you love this movie? Mm.
2: Absolutely. Um, I love this movie because it is it is seemingly beautiful without intending itself to be. Hmm. When you look at the dichotomy of queer films, um, the the first thing that comes to your mind that they're not happy films. No one ends up happy. Um, Mm -hmm. There's no, you know, yellow brick road, Mm -hmm. um, a montage of singing. Um, There's a lot of undue challenges and heartache and harm and destruction Mm -hmm. that comes with queer films. Mm -hmm. And Call Me By Your Name was really one of those first films that kind of said, you know, this may be the narrative, but it doesn't have to be our narrative. That this Mm -hmm. movie can be beautiful and poetic and haunting. But it doesn't have to be sad. It doesn't have to be they don't end up together. And so want, want, no one can be happy. Mm -hmm. We're just going to move on. And, you know, who cares? But it's a film about exploration. It's a film about what it means to fall in love and not just love between two males. It could be two females. It could be a male and a female. I think what's so great about queer film is that when you begin to dissect it, it's not really about same sex. Mm -hmm. as it is like-minded souls Mm -hmm. or an experience that brings people together in such a profound way that you just you're enraptured and you just have to sit back and just let it all hit you Mm -hmm. frame by frame, music by music.
0: Mm -hmm. Interesting. So one thing I want to talk about, i talked about it with Brandon with uh, no country for old men that there in that film, there was almost no soundtrack. There's absolutely no music, no score for that film whatsoever. Whereas this film had a very interesting score, I felt um, we had some, you know, some lyrical music in there. By mm-hmm. um, Stephen Stevens. Yes, which was, you know, very interesting because it, it felt very much like uh, this is not like to be an insult to the film, but almost like a, like an art house film at mm-hmm. times, and having a kind of pop. Ish, you know, songs thrown in there kind of was like not jarring, but just a little bit different. But the the use of piano in this movie was kind of interesting. What's your take on the the soundtrack slash score for this Absolutely. film?
2: Absolutely. Well, Luca is nothing but meticulous when it comes to his films. Thinking back to um, Suspira and well, that's the most recent one that comes to mind. But mm-hmm. Um, he's an individual that really kind of looks frame by frame and, and kind of invites like what can really elevate the scene. Um, speaking about the piano and the scores, um, Timothy Chalamet actually um, went to Rome three months before they began shooting and learned how to speak Italian and learned how to play the piano. So all of the musical scores in that that film that he plays, that's actually him playing it. That's not Uh, a double and he's just moving his fingers in the correct manner. That's physically him playing. uh And I think the added part of Sufran Stevens with the vision of Gideon and the mystery of love, it adds this element of fantasy Uh um, that is very centric to the film being Taking place in the 1980s like like you said art pop Andy Warhol like these are the kind of things that are happening around the world Mm -hmm. and so that kind of feel musically makes sense for the environment that they're all in with the acid washed jeans and you know Mm -hmm. the denim shirts with swim trunks and really not really a care in the world it's very European but it's also very 80s Yes, and lack of a better
0: mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: string of sentences.
0: This this definitely felt for me. I don't know. I don't know how you feel, Anthony, but for me, this this film definitely was kind of like a. Some movies you can kind of pinpoint, not pinpoint, but I guess, look at and be like, this is a slice of a time period. And I saw this and I was like, this is a slice of the eighties. Just like went in, someone went in, cut it out and was like, here you go, here's the eighties. But it's
2: timeless too. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's timeless in the sense of the. The words that are used, the relationship between his father, which I think that elevates the movie mm-hmm. in its own sense. Um, just the, the family dynamic that Elio grew up in, mm-hmm. which I think mm-hmm. makes the relationship between him and Oliver even more special because there mm-hmm. was no extenuating circumstances mm-hmm. that were telling them this can't be. Mm-hmm. It was more you seem like really great friends, you seem to develop the closeness, and you know what closeness or really good friends mean to the Mm -hmm. parents. They're not oblivious to what's going on, Mm -hmm. but they're not judgmental either, Mm -hmm. and um, I think it just, it sets this tone that, especially with queer films, there's this reckoning moment, I think, of Um, love Simon, where he tells his family, I'm gay during Christmas, and his dad doesn't know what to say. His mom doesn't know what to say. His sister tries to rally behind him, but he's like, no, I I can't hear it from you. I really want to hear it from my mom and dad. And it's not until later that they have this, you know, empathic scene where the mom Mm -hmm. says, Breathe, Simon. You can finally breathe now. And the dad's like, "Yeah, let's get a grinder account." And you're like, "Okay, Dad. Calm down. Like, <laughs> time out. <Yeah. laughs> this is not Facebook for males." Yeah. Um, <laughs> but. How um, Elio's mom and dad, they don't need to say anything because support was already ingrained in their family dynamic. Mm-hmm. And the the moment where the mom picks him up and strokes his hair as they're driving home and he's obviously really emotional. Or when the dad tells him a similar experience that he almost embarked on but chose not to. Um, I think. No, I don't think. I know. Paints this this visual picture of why does it have to be so black and white? Why does the family have to not be supportive from the onset when a son or daughter says, I think I have romantic feelings for the same sex. Why can't that, why does that even need to be part of the narrative? Mm -hmm. Why can't the story just continue without that having to be interjected? I think call me by your name kind of puts that narrative um, on the spotlight and says, you Mm -hmm. know, see, look, we didn't have to do that to make a great film. We could make a film about two people that fall in love beyond the time, beyond cultural norms mm-hmm. and say this is what love looks like when two people have such a strong connection and although it's confusing, although there's tons of silence that doesn't wash away mm-hmm. what this means. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's everything.
1: Okay. Wow.
0: That's- Very, very well put.
1: Yeah, it's a lot to think about.
0: Yeah.
1: One point I want to touch upon is, and you mentioned it a little bit just now, the father, his speech at the end, where, so this is the first time I've seen this movie. Mm -hmm. And he said something, the way he's talking, it almost sounds like he's a little bit envious of the relationship that Elio had with Oliver.
2: Yeah.
1: And so can you talk a little bit more about what the father is talking about there? Like, is he, is he living with regret?
2: Oh my gosh, that is a really great question. And not to plug Andre Ackman's work, because I definitely don't work for him, but <laughs> <laughs> I would say um, that's what, a sequel to call me by your name is and the new novel found me um the premise of that book is that samuel elio's father Mm -hmm. begins to reminisce about when he was young and he had a chance encounter and the decisions that he ultimately made that led him to speaking with his son in such a a frank unapologetic way of saying you know this experience happened to me and I chose not to go down that path. And like you said, I think there is a little bit of envy, but not at the fact that Elio had that experience, but the fact that I think his dad so much wants to help his son in that moment, but he doesn't have anything except something that never happened. And so we can recall that and use that as a steering to tell his son we chip apart so many parts of ourselves in the hope of feeling better or moving on. But when we actually look at what's left behind, we don't feel better. We haven't moved on because it's still with us. Um, and so I think that that is his way of trying to share a similar experience, knowing internally that there's nothing that he can say that will be similar to his son. Because at that moment, it's a shared experience that they don't have.
0: Wow. Yeah, this movie definitely. There are some movies I, I, I where you leave and you almost kind of feel like you run, you run a marathon. Um, you're kind of like, and we're done. Um, and this movie, I kind of. I, it ended and I was like, I'm kind of sad now. <laughs> um, you know, like I I'm like I don't have any connections to these characters. I can't really relate to these characters, but seeing their interaction and seeing the emotions and, you know, the passion they had for each other, I'm just like, well, now I'm sad. (laughs) Um, What would you say? Now, of course, for Anthony and I, this was our first time seeing it, the day we're recording this. Um, What would you say, what was your first reaction after you saw this film? What was your emotional state, if you can recall?
2: Absolutely. Well, the first time I saw this film, I actually... (laughs) Um, it was with the group of males. Uh-huh. It was Javanto Van Hammer, who works at the university, Robert mm-hmm. O'Hara,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and Connor Cutner. Mm. The four of us went to go see "Call Me by Your Name" at the Neon, mm-hmm. and I remember Javanto was sitting on my right, and Robert was on my left with mm-hmm. Connor on his left. Mm-hmm. And Connor had made such a big stink that he didn't want to sit between Robert and I because Robert and I have our own secret language and we don't have to talk to know like how each other are feeling when we watch a movie. Mm-hmm. And I just remember um, the scene in which he was riding in the car with his mom. Robert was already crying mm-hmm. and like tears are starting to flow down from my eyes. And then um, after the exchange that Oliver has with with Elio, when Elio is saying Oliver, 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 or Elio, 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 and then um, Oliver says Oliver prolonged, and then Visions of Gideon come on. It was just a complete just breakdown. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think like you, um, I didn't feel like I, I ran a marathon, but there was definitely this feeling of feeling so invested in those characters, mm-hmm. and I remember something that my English professor in literature told me that a great book and a great film is the connection that you forge with it, that mm-hmm. if you walk away from a book or leave the theater after seeing a movie and you think to yourself, I am just so beside myself, like, how could they do that to this person? The film or the book has enraptured you in such a way that you'll never forget it. Mm-hmm because it's ingrained on you. And this book, reading it, I read the book before I saw the film. So I knew exactly what I was seeing. Yeah. yeah, It, it, it spoke to me in such a way that leaving that theater, um, I just wanted to grab my best friend, Elio and just hug him and say, it's going to be okay. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Maybe not right now, Mm -hmm. maybe not in a couple of weeks, but you have great friends and, um, marcia and a great family Mm -hmm. with his mom and dad and um you have so much ahead of you Mm -hmm. talent gourds of talent Mm
0: -hmm. um
2: this will not be your swan song
0: Mm. so yeah just yeah um i'm getting emotional thinking about the movie um but looking at it from a narrative perspective Mm -hmm. um a lot of movies, you know, will set up characters in a way that's like, this person does this, this person does this. This movie was very. I, I, I guess a good example that a lot of people would know if they've never seen Calling by Your Name is like Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones just hops right in, mm-hmm. and you just hear the characters and hear the names. They're not going to give you like formal introductions to anyone. You just have to know. Yes. This movie, I was confused for the first 10 or so minutes I'm like, is Elio also a student? Is Elio... I'm a little confused. Mm -hmm. So it took me a while to like, okay, mom, dad, student, Elio. Okay, got it. I got the... Yeah. What would you say... Would you say that that is a strength or a weakness of this film?
2: I think it's very subjective depending on Mm. the viewpoint of the audience member. Okay. Um... I I think of films um, such as Only You, which was a modern take on Roman Holiday with um, Marissa Tomei and Robert Downey Jr., Mm -hmm. um, in which the movie starts with her going to a fortune teller, and the fortune teller says that you're going to meet this person, Robert Blake, and that is your soulmate. And so it goes, you know, 20 years later, She's engaged and you're like, oh, my gosh, like what has happened between you as a 12 year old girl to now you 30 <laughs> years old teaching high school kids and you love romance and the stars and, you know, um, a Roman holiday with Gregory Peck and Audrey Hepburn. I, I think movies that are filmed in such a way are filmed for people who go to the movies to be wowed. Mm-hmm. Um, to just sit in a seat and look at something artistically being shown to them in visual forms. And they're not worried about how does this connect? They know how it's going to connect. They mm-hmm. just have to trust in the movie. So they're sitting there just letting all of these visual mediums hit them. And as they kind of go through, inadvertently, their questions will be answered. I don't know who this is, but movie going to tell me oh yeah. this is elio mm-hmm. this is you know maritza oh mm-hmm. this is oliver mm-hmm. this is samuel this is the wife this is the gay couple who the mother calls sunny and share like all of mm-hmm. this will be explained mm-hmm. um he's very much that filmographer mm-hmm. um You know, I I think of a movie that he filmed afterwards, which was a remake of a 60s movie, Sapsura. Sapsura is very confusing, too, because you watch the movie and um, the character played by Chloe Grace Grace Moretz is on the stage and you have no idea what's going on. She's buzzing her therapist's door, leaves a duffel bag in the corner. You never know what happened to this duffel bag, like what's in it.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: She talks and she's like. You know, turning books and turning like photographs, and you're like, okay, well, I've just met this very confusing character, and you never see her again until the very end of the film. Mm -hmm. But you're so enraptured by what's happening that you're just, you're in for the ride. You've Mm -hmm. been buckled in, the Mm -hmm. roller coaster is going. Yeah. I'm just going to sit back. And I think that that is a positive Mm -hmm. because that's not something that movies are, they're not filmed like that. Everything has Mm -hmm. to be expertly explained like who is this person their title must be said and must be seen and must be heard Mm -hmm. so you know someone sits in a waiting room are you here to see amy Mm -hmm. adams yes i'm here to see amy adams amy adams is at her desk with a name placard saying amy adams character (laughs) says hi my name is quinn merriweather hi i'm amy adams nice to meet you that's how (laughs) movies are and It almost feels like, do you think that I'm an idiot as a viewer? Like, I don't need you to tell me who all these people are. Just play out the scene. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
2: Interesting.
0: Yeah. That's
2: (laughs) how I would kind of describe (laughs) it. Like in a play, they're not going to set everything up for you in a play. You just have to sit back and just watch it. So why Mm -hmm. should a movie be any different?
1: Fair. Right. Right. There's that rule. Show, don't tell.
2: Yes.
1: Yes. Um, to your point though, Adam, I, I thought Mar- for the most of this movie, well, I maybe half of the movie, I thought Marja was Elio's sister. And then <laughs> as things started heating up, I was like, whoa, no, 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 no. They're oh, not that, be-
0: <laughs> that is not something you do with your sister. Whoa, oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I was a little confused. I'm like, okay, so I get that Elio's family and Marcio's family, like, are friends. Mm -hmm. But I was kind of confused at the very beginning of the film when we see Elio play the piano. And they're, like, all watching TV or they're watching that, like...
2: Some kind of program. Some
0: kind of music video where, like, the people are on the motorcycle or whatever, and, you know... um, They were all sitting together, and I'm like do they all live in the same house? Uh, is this like a really, is this like some kind of like professor commune? I'm a little confused. Um, but but yeah, I think in the end, everything made sense. Like there was no part of the movie that was like,
2: I don't know where this, but, I think films, not to interrupt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think films like Call Me By Your Name, they make the audience have to make a decision of, do you trust your director, mm. to guide you from point A to point B? Mm-hmm. Do you trust that they're going to make sure that you understand what's going on in mm-hmm. the film without having to answer all of your insepic questions along yeah. the way?
1: Yeah. Um, okay. So, Fair enough. So,
2: you know, Steven Spielberg would be an example like Saving Private Ryan, mm-hmm. just how that whole movie is filmed. He doesn't answer every single question. Mm-hmm. He answers the big one, which is, Who's Private Ryan? Yeah. You find out, and it's very lackluster. Like, oh, okay, Matt Damon. Nice <laughs> to see you. It's been cool. Yeah. Let's let's save you now. Yeah. Um, but I think he would be a modern example of someone in the main frame of, of a film who a lot of people trust mm. him to tell a story.
0: Yeah. Okay. Wow. Now, of course, we're we're not here just to hear you. You know wax poetic about um, Call Me By Your Name. Of course. Um, But, of course, it is Prove Your Movie. And we do have a list of which you will be pitting your film against one of those films on our list. And the list, as it stands, um, following Brandon's um, appearance two weeks ago, uh, our current films are Alien, Jurassic Park, No Country for Old Men, The Grand Budapest Hotel, and The Graduate. Now, which of those five films will you be proving calling by your name against
2: i will be proving my movie against the graduate by mike nichols
0: Alrighty, so give us your i guess second opening statement as to why calling by your name is better than the graduate
2: absolutely i think call me by your name is a modern poetic film that will stand the test of time in more of a profound way than -hmm. the graduate will That when you Mm -hmm. look at films like Call Me By Your Name or The Shape Mm -hmm. of Water, Mm -hmm. these modern day romances that can be so eloquently put in a certain time frame, they don't necessarily exist in that time alone. I Mm -hmm. think The Graduate, after so many years, um, it's just not realistic Mm -hmm. in the sense that modern day and more recent romance movies have been.
0: Mm. Okay. So would you say that From what I'm hearing, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't want to be misrepresenting your argument, that call me by your name, you can put it anywhere throughout time and space, and it works.
2: Yes, and I would say in 20 years, people will still find relevance with call me by your name. Hmm. I don't know if that is necessarily true for the graduate.
0: Hmm. What aspects of the graduate would you say date the film or will make it less relevant
2: well i think uh dustin hoffman is just uh, the epitome <laughs> of um toxic masculinity my goodness <laughs> in this day and age time's up dude uh-huh. we can't have you sleeping with uh you know this girl that you really had no real profound relationship with you sleep with her mother mm-hmm. that doesn't really go well so uh-huh. then you interrupt her wedding and kind of take her away and then when you really have the moment to kind of put out why you did everything that you did Mm -hmm. you stare out of a bus window with her staring out of a bus window herself Mm -hmm. not really knowing what's going on what comes next why Mm -hmm. are we doing this Mm -hmm. what was the whole epitaph of you saying hey Mm -hmm. pick me
0: couldn't one make the argument though that the graduate is a film that, I mean, in the name, The Graduate, for people who have either graduated high school, graduated college, and are feeling confused. And that feeling will, that feeling will never go away.
2: Yes, the argument can be made with that. But if we use that premise, that movie could have been drastically different. Mm. Why did feeling confused have to erupt into... Altering other people's lives in a way Mm. that isn't just, oh, you play, you play slapped me. Ouch, that hurts. No, like you legitimately made choices that drastically affect another's ability to move in any kind of direction that isn't going to kind of spiral them or hurt them or Mm. ricochet them in an impactful (laughs) way that is not necessarily positive, but honestly can be very negative.
0: Mm. Anthony,
1: I am actually agreeing with you. <laughs> oh. Believe it or not, yeah. <laughs> I'm in with what you said so far.
0: Yeah. Now, now I will say for me personally, I have only seen The Graduate twice in my life. The first time I saw it was for a, a history course called American History in in Film, um, and we watched it. As kind of the during the time we were starting the 60s um, and early 70s and like the rising consumerism and the the changing demographic with a lot of college students you know the college boom after World War II um, the GI Bill and all that um, and I the first time I watched it I, I did not like it at all mostly. Because I think it's under the same principle of if I tell you to do something, even if you like it and I'm telling you to do it, you're not going to like it because Mm -hmm. you're not doing it of your own free will. Mm -hmm. Now, the second time I watched it was actually for AA Cast with Anthony this past summer. And the second time I watched it, I was like, I watched a different film, you know, two years ago when I took that course because this is not the movie I remember. Um, But with your arguments... It is making sense that, you know, the decisions that, and I'm blanking on um, Dustin Hoffman's character's name. Um, oh my goodness, what's his name? Oh, this is bad. What is his name? <laughs> Names are our kryptonite. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well,
1: hold up real quick.
0: Okay. Well, while you do that, I'll keep vamping here. Um, but his, yeah, his decisions do. He puts um, the again the girl whose name I'm forgetting. All I remember was Mrs. Robinson. He puts Mrs. Robinson's daughter in a position yeah. where, like, now you're stuck with me because. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, Elaine and Ben Braddock. Braddock. That's right, Ben. Yes,
2: Benjamin Braddock.
0: Um, and I think. Could one, again, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Could one make the argument also that both films speak to different times in a person's life?
2: I'm sure you can, but here's what I would say that separates The Graduate from Coming By Your Name. The use of silence. Mm. Silence and contemplation. Silence and thought. Silence and action. Um, Everything that Elio and Oliver do, there's a level of silence and introspection that's put Mm. into those decisions. Um, Ben doesn't operate like that. Mm. He's lost and confused, so he finds himself with mrs robinson Mm -hmm. she seduces him they have their thing and there's this moment where he kind of the veil is lifted and he he says to himself i'm imagining like i'm making a mistake this is not what i want to do
1: um
2: the only option i see is this this one so Mm -hmm. i'm gonna i'm gonna tell her I'm gonna tell Miss Robinson I can't do this anymore mm-hmm. and I'm gonna go for the daughter and mm-hmm. I don't know what's gonna happen mm-hmm. I mean when I think of that final scene on the bus that's what I see I don't know what's gonna happen mm-hmm. right. but I think with with Elio and Oliver it's not as blanket as that mm-hmm. it's this thing has happened. Mm-hmm. I may not know what I'm going to do, but I know that I have to move forward. Hmm. So for Oliver, it's, I'm moving, I'm going back to the States. I'm going to reconnect with my on and off girlfriend. We're going to get engaged. I'm going to be the nice Jewish boy in my family (laughs) and move in that direction, get married, have kids. Mm -hmm. But I think for Elio, it's a little bit more convoluted Hmm. and it takes a little bit more time and introspection to get to what is he going to do next? He -hmm. becomes... um, a famous musician he travels mm-hmm. all over the world he obviously has a very well-versed and articulate experience in the latter part of his life mm-hmm. um and i'm speaking more of the book now gotcha um but I
0: was going to say, he, I'm like, I don't remember in. his musical career in the movie. <laughs> never... I'm crying
1: in the crowd. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but he moves on. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think even when you're confused, there has to be this understanding of where do I go from here? Even though I'm confused, I still have to pick a direction mm. of left or right, front or back. I can't just remain stagnant. And mm-hmm. I think that's my biggest point of contention with The Graduate is Mm. that Mike Nichols doesn't really explore as a director what Ben's real conundrum is yes he's confused yes he doesn't know but even in that there's still choices that have to be made and there's Mm -hmm. still a cause and effect that Mm -hmm. goes with said choices and Mm -hmm. I don't feel I feel like as an audience member you just see this character be let off like there's no consequences for all the things that you have done, all the things that you were about to do. I'm just, I'm having to sit here and root for you to say, Mm. wow, you made one decision and Mm. that is supposed to be good, I guess.
1: Yeah.
2: But not really. I think that, I think, The Graduate leaves me with more questions than answers, Mm. whereas although Call Me By Your Name still leaves a lot of questions, Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily feel the need to have those answered. Mm. And I don't know if it's just the poetic sense of how the movie was filmed Mm -hmm. that I don't want to interrogate what could have been or what happened after the credits rolled, like, did Elio just sit in front of the fire and continue to cry? Did he eventually have dinner with his family during Hanukkah? You know, did he spend the menorah? Did he, you
0: know... Dreidel.
2: Dreidel, that's what I meant.
0: You're good. <laughs> you could I'm, spend the menorah. It'd get messy. But... It, it would.
2: I'm not Jewish either, so... It's okay.
0: <laughs> Take
1: that, Dale. <laughs> that, that nice vacation home just goes down and place.
0: <laughs> Oh, but, there goes
1: our um, street
0: cred. but but
2: to spread the dreidel did he make like a snow angel in the snow did he fix his hair because that was kind of irritating to me like was he doing like a flock of seagulls kind of thing with his, with his headphones I don't know but yeah. I think there's the what if but I think there's also a sense of just feeling complete that whatever questions I have I'm okay not knowing Or Mm. if I find out, that'd be great, but it doesn't necessarily tear anything to what I've seen or what I've experienced.
0: Okay. Well, I have no further questions. Do you have any further questions, Anthony? Uh,
1: No questions, just following up to what you said. So I feel like The Graduate is, it's really a movie for a generation. Mm. It's like for at that time. And I think in the movie, to that point at the end of when they're on the bus and they don't know where they're going, I think that's kind of what the movie is saying, though. That yes, they don't know what they're doing, where they're going, but they're finally Elaine and Ben, and I guess you could argue this, are like making their own decision, thinking for themselves. Because there's that yes, Ben interrupts the wedding, which should he have done that? Uh eh. Is it is a little misogynistic? Yeah, maybe. (laughs) When when Elaine's leaving, Mrs. Robinson tries to stop her, and Elaine goes, "What did she say? Something along the lines of like, I won't, I won't get stuck like you, or something like that." Throughout the movie, we see Mrs. Robinson is unhappy. She -hmm. she is still with Mr. Robinson, but they're not sleeping even in the same bed, Mm -hmm. and um. But to your point, like, in the movie, have you seen 500 Days of Summer? Yes. In that movie, in the opening, it says that um, the, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, he has this idea of love based on a misunderstanding of the graduate. And so, like, if you're using the graduate to say, here is what love is, I don't think, I don't think you're going to find something that is actually love. But to your point about call me by your name, I think you're right about it standing the test of time more. There's you don't have the misogynistic factor and there is something beautiful between the two characters of Elio and Oliver. Mm -hmm. So I think in that way it'll stand. Yeah. It'll definitely stand this test of time more than the graduate.
0: I think that the graduate is kind of, as we're saying it now, I'm like, I think it's kind of losing relevance. Thinking of when it was made in the late 60s, Vietnam, a generation that is confused, that seems lost, out of place, not sure what's going on, um, Cold War, everything happening. But now looking at calling by your name, being, as you said, like at this timeless, I almost at times felt like I was watching like a fairy tale, you know? Um, and I think having it set in northern italy surrounded by this ancient roman architecture this like ancient civilization that once was like the pool that they swim in like looks like it's been there for like thousands of years you know i was impressed um side note here that oliver tried to swim laps in what looked to be maybe, oh, like, oh, so maybe like 10 feet of water <laughs> i'm like he gets like two strokes in and then goes back the other way i was like dedication good for you um but you know it, it having a set like mostly in the woods we do have the shots of the city and when we do have the shots of the city um it's during the day um in the town square these older streets and then at night you know it's the city just almost seems abandoned like the world's left for just Elio and oliver and yeah i think that 20 years from now, people look at The Graduate as like, well, this is a movie of the sixties and it was made for the sixties. And it's, you know, has some, you know, relevance in terms of film history, but it's like, there we go. It's a little artifact and we'll put it on the shelf. But I think you can pop in calling by your name, 20 years, 30, 40 years from now and be like, this is a romance. And this is a love story that doesn't really have any, you know, boundaries.
2: I think beyond that, Call Me By Your Name is this, this pride-filled venture that shows queer film in such a way that I think its predecessors couldn't quite capture it on. Mm. You think of movies like Maurice, mm-hmm. A Single Man with Colin Firth, um, Back Mountain, mm. which was the real pinnacle of its time, mm-hmm. and a perfect movie to... Dissect the dichotomy between "Calling by Your Name" in verse, Brokeback Mountain. Of is Brokeback Mountain the reality of "Calling by Your Name" that fantasizes? Would Elio mm. and Oliver become? Would have become Ennis and Jack if they lived in the United States? Mm. If they were, you know, after their brief love affair, would they have had the same kind of knockout drag out fight? that those two characters in that movie did when Jack turns to Innis and says, all we have is Brokeback mountain for 20 years. This is our relationship. This time, this place outside of the lives that we've lived and the empty marriages and children that we fathered. That wasn't us. This is us, but we can't have this anywhere else. Um, Moonlight, Carol, Mm -hmm. um, love Simon, And the list goes on and on. I I think Call Me By Your Name is the the isolated, taken out of what mainstream cinema is. And it looks at a very, very small nugget of romance Mm. and of exploration, of identity, of who am I? Uh, mm-hmm. Within the kinds of confines of my family, my friends, the place that I live in and the life that I have envisioned for myself. Mm-hmm. And when I juxtapose all of that and I put myself in the company of someone else who's also trying to figure out who am I and the life that I want to live and there's conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, I think both characters end up walking away looking at something from vastly different perspectives, but something that ingrainedly shared by them both.
0: Wow. Well, I think I have my decision. Me too.
1: Yeah, I want to say real quick, though, Adam, to your point about the fairy tale, I think the film even uses that as a device, where there's that scene where mm-hmm. Elio's mother is reading the German fairy tale from what the, the 17th century. Mm-hmm. And then, it, what is it, Quinn, you'll know this better than I will, the prince
0: who speak he, he can speak or die? Mm-hmm. Like it would, it would be, would it? It would be better to speak than it would be to die. Would it, is it one yeah. What it? Says? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and just having that almost being this kind of overarching theme. Oh. So, yeah, um, very much a a modern day romantic fairy tale. I loved it. So, um, what's your decision? Does Call Me by Your Name beat out The Graduate? Did Drum
1: roll. I say yes, it does beat out the
0: graduate. And I agree. This beats out the graduate. Alright. Yeah. Congratulations, so welcome. Congratulations. Woo. Welcome. Welcome to the list. Thank you. So our new list as it stands is Alien, Jurassic Park, Grand Budapest Hotel, No Country for Old Men, and Call Me by Your Name.
2: It's a good list.
0: Yeah. It'll be, I think we have we've filled in you know, the the two weak ones have kind of been weeded out now. Now I think we have a pretty, pretty uh, solid list here. It'll be interesting to see what movie. Wouldn't falls it be next.
2: interesting if someone chose Life Aquatic against The Grand Budapest Hotel? I
0: love that. I think I have to recuse myself from that because I oh, love you. both those films so much.
2: Oh, I would go for Life Aquatic. Oh. Willem Dafoe's in that one.
0: He's also in the Grand Budapest Hotel.
2: His character is funnier.
0: Touche. funnier in Life Aquatic. I agree with that. That's fair. That's fair. And both of those ones we watched for the, for W CinemaCast, so.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, and both this past summer as well. So, but yeah, well. Well, then challenge
1: you, to you, Quinn, next time you come on.
0: <laughs> yes, <argue laughs> bring like in Life Aquatic <laughs> and put it against the Grand <laughs> Budapest Hotel. For if it the... doesn't
2: get knocked out by something else.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I love that film so much. So, The Grand Prix, I just, I don't know what it is. I can put that movie on and just all my cares wash away. I don't know what it is. But.
2: I'd be interested to see if um, the two of you go see JoJo Rabbit and if that changes. Oh,
0: I am very excited to see that. Uh, oh, a Takiti yeah film versus, oh.
2: and if that stands better than Beth Anderson's. <sighs>
0: Okay, off-kilter. Off-kilter take on Nazism.
2: <laughs> Vaccinary friends named Adolf Hitler.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much, oh, Quinn, for welcome. coming out again. Yes. Um, and feel free to let us know when you'd like to come back on and fight for another movie. All right. So, But until then, this has been Prove Your Movie.
1: Nice!